so good to see everyone today. I hear your call. I am available. Is that where you at today? Amen. For you that are still trying your best to tune in and make sure you're hearing him speak to you, me encourage you today. Amen. If you can just make some decisions happen today that um, the enemy doesn't want you to make, you're powerful. God's in charge, but he will not be in control of us. He's given control to you by way of choice. And so there's some decisions that you can make today that will open up your ear to hear what the Spirit is saying. Because the enemy's so good at playing poker, he'll beat you every time. Right? You can't play poker with the enemy. And so when we live our life trying to figure life out, anybody guilty of that? You're playing poker with the enemy because you'll never figure life out. Life is greater than we can even imagine, and God has designed you and I to go with him on such a journey to where we experience life to the point that every moment that we're walking with him, we can't help but say what the angels say, holy, holy, holy. Do you want to get to the place where you just can't, ex you can't do anything else but go, wow, God, would you like to live your life like that, that every day in the world we're living in, with all the stuff going on, that you just, your life is an expression of wow. Can God give us the kind of testimonies that wow us? And if you and I are not living, I'm speaking to everybody in this room, including this guy right here, if we're not living in a place where we're wowed by God, it's not on God. Now, I know the enemy in his poker game convinces us if God cared, he wouldn't let us go through the stuff we go through. Anybody ever said that before? We're just repeating what we hear the enemy say. It's so convincing, isn't it, that we become very good at hearing his voice, but not our Heavenly Father's voice. And so the title of the message today is only given a title just to provoke thought here, y'all. Where is God finding you? Right now, where is God finding you? Every one of us are being found by God. Nobody's finding God. The idea that you're going to find God sounds right, but it's not possible. He's not lost. And so we do Sunday worship services. We meet in this building on Sundays on purpose because our world has been conditioned to think that when oh, they've had all that they can handle, I'm going to go to church on Sunday and find God. And God works with that. Isn't it good that he's so good that he works with it? He'll accept what we give him because he is with us all the time. Even while we're driving down the road thinking he wasn't with us, he was with us. Wherever we make our bed, if it's in the worst kind of circumstance or situation, as the Bible would say, if you make your bed in hell, I am there with you. We just hear all these other voices screaming at us. And again, I have to, for the sake of the guest, I know that sounds like you need a psychiatrist, but the only psychiatrist that ever really works is Jesus. The only 
physician that really works is the great physician, Jesus. The only answer there is in life is Jesus. And he's not way off out there somewhere a million miles away. Today, you're going to begin to realize that where he finds you is where he's been all the time. You didn't arrive where you at because that's a bad place. Anybody ever been to bad places before? What if you find out if there's no such thing as a bad place, according to God, that the earth and the fullness thereof belongs to him, and that he designed you to inherit the earth? And the only reason there happens to be a bad place is you have to first believe it's a bad place. Y'all got to catch this today because every one of us are being found today by him. And as I grow in him, he finds me again. To do what? To take me to a new level of revelation, of understanding, of revealing. Amen? We're changed into his image from glory to glory. That's understanding something we didn't understand before. Only to be invited up higher by faith that you can't understand to experience him again and again and again. And this doesn't stop, y'all. Amen. Going to church isn't working for anybody, but rather being the church is the answer. He's revealing himself to me. And here's my temptation, y'all. Uh, I want to be good enough this week so that when Sunday shows up, I'm anointed enough to give you what the Lord gave me. Does that happen to anybody? And if you ask my wife, she'll tell you, no, he ain't perfect. I, if you want to sit, you, you sit down, she'll give you a list. But she does know that I have a passion for God and the kingdom. And that I am growing. And that the Lord keeps finding me. Amen. In whatever circumstance I keep choosing to live in. And I may even call that circumstance a bad place. And it's only bad because I see it through my lens as being bad. This is going to help me even more today. And I prayed that you would be encouraged today. Amen by what the Lord is talking to me about as it relates to me saying, yes, Lord. I hear you. I am available. Amen. And so, how available are you for him today? Or are you so busy trying to be good enough to be available? question that we could ask ourselves today is, as a believer, have you ever found yourself being that one sheep? <laughs> that keeps getting lost. <laughs> Does anybody remember your fig leaf experience? Now, for you that hadn't read the Bible, you might well going to read the story about the fig leaf experience. And Adam raced away from, if you want to read it out of another translation for our day, he fled the presence of God 
among the trees. And I just put that among the trees in there for to help you catch something today that's so important because you're that important to him. Adam's existence was God's representative in the garden among the trees. And so instead of Adam remaining available, he flees the presence of God among the trees. Now, to help you better understand God's plan from the very beginning, there's a blind man. Anybody experienced blindness before or been around a blind person? And we all come to grips with reality that when you don't know something and all of a sudden you get a revelation of something, you see it now, I I see what you're saying. So he prays for a blind man, and the blind man responds to him, I see men as trees. And the Lord don't miss any details, does he? He's teaching the ones that are following him something very important. And so the man says, I see men as trees. And aren't we, according to David's writing, in, as he wrote, as the Spirit was upon him, that we're trees planted by the river, and that river is life? And that we're the trees of God that produce on his behalf because we're rooted in him. He's our source. And so he prays for the man again, and he's able to see humanity from the lens of how God is working with humanity. And his boys are learning something. This is important for us to get today because we all have to deal with a level of blindness today. Everybody in this room, if God has his way, and everybody wants God to have his way, he's going to open up a level of sin that you didn't have before. You're going to begin to experience a knowing that you can't explain, but ah, the Lord's is in this place. Anybody feel the presence of God in the room? And it's not because the, the, the preacher today, the vessel, is special, and yet God says, I am. It's not because I, it's because he's specially at work reaching the treasure that he's after, and that's you. He just needs somebody available. And he'll take an old hard-headed country boy if I'll make myself available long enough, and he'll work his way through that country boy. And he'll touch a life that he's placed in my path. Amen. And he will find them. There's people that you're connected with right now that you have a sympathy for. I'm going to say it like this so you can catch it. But God wants you to develop a compassion for over sympathy. In our world right now, sympathy is big. But God is a compassionate God. Compassion will do something about it. Sympathy is limited. But there's people we have a sympathy for that's in our path, and we're working hard trying to do something to help them, but it ain't working. Anybody got kids? Anybody married? Anybody ever said, I'm not okay and it's your fault? And the Lord works with that. He finds us wherever we are, all the while taking what we have and giving us an experience that delivers us from it to go up higher with him. All because he's looking for our availability. He's not looking for us to be good. I'm going to read you something here. Only God's good, right? How many times have I talked about this over the last six months? And he keeps saying, no, we're not through. We're going to come from this angle. We're going to come from this angle. We're going to hit it from all sides because 
the enemy is not going to hold my people captive. I'm saying it's time for them to let go. It's time to be free. Let my people go. Amen. And so Jesus is invited into Martha's house for dinner on a certain evening. And Mary, her sister, quickly positions herself at Jesus' feet to begin to listen. And so Martha now was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. It's not like Jesus came in and said, I expect you to prepare me a big dinner. This is important. Martha's doing something good from her lens. By the way, <laughs> Jesus, is it possible for him not to be able to eat if Martha don't fix dinner? Just pausing for that response. I mean, because logically from my lens here, I'm a, I have to deal with that one lens. I like plan of action, protocol. We need to get this done because this is involved and we've got to do our due diligence. And if it's not happening, we're going to miss the mark. And the Lord has me, as you heard me say before, stopping at lots of red lights lately because he wants me to get over it. I'm not the source. My plan of action is not the way that, that, that that's, it's going to give him the glory. And, and, and still, there's nothing wrong with a plan of action if you don't have the right attitude and availability with it. And so here's Martha. She's doing something that appears to be good because she's going to take care of her guests. It's the right thing to do. Amen? And so she comes to Jesus and notice how she's worked up. Lord, doesn't it seem unfair that my, that to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her. Jesus, I need you to go tell her. Anybody need Jesus to help get a message through to anybody in your life? He can work with that. And if he finds you there trying to get him to get something done on your behalf because other people are not straightened up yet, the Lord says to her, my dear Martha, another translation, he calls her name twice, Martha, Martha. You are worried and upset over all these details. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. There's only one thing worth being concerned about. One thing. One thing. Mary hath discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. She's found it, and it will be hers as long as she remains available. You can get so involved in what you have conjured up as being good and you not be concerned about the right thing. Would you agree that it's good to take care of the poor? Be careful, Pastor. But Jesus tells the disciples, he said, the poor you have with you always, but me you don't. Is it because you don't care for the poor? No. If we get available and we make the one concern the main thing the main thing, 
the poor will be impacted. But as long as my temptation is to be the Messiah and save the world and get my government to legislate goodwill, the only answer for our world is Jesus. And the only way Jesus can get to our world is through his body. It's not our government that's going to depict him. It's the church that depicts him, that represents him. I'm just going to tell you, I believe he tells the truth when he speaks. And it's important you pause for a minute because he's finding some of us right now. And I've got a few more minutes I need to, to talk about some things. But he's finding some of us right now. And he's so into you seeing him on a new level because he's placing relationships in your path that you know need a miracle. You know they need some help. And the only way that they can get the help that they need is availability, not you being the perfect Christian. The perfect Christian is the available Christian. Jesus has all the ability. What he needs is my availability. He don't need me tooting my horn. Look what I've done. He needs me to get so into the spirit of what he's doing that at the end of this thing, we all say in unison, look what the Lord has done. Amen? Amen. Amen. On my gravestone, when, when, when it's time for me to go in the ground six foot in this body, that's not where I'll be. But I'm not looking for someone to praise what I did. Oh my God. Amen. The only thing that I'm interested in is moving to the next level. Amen. Because really, if you look at the gravestone, everything I wasn't for God probably should be put on that. But God loved me. God loved me, a hard-headed country boy. And somehow he got through that hard head and manifested, and somebody heard him. And, was and got a confirmation and got hope into their life, and they were able to say, yes, Lord. Amen? Where is God finding you right now? Amen? And so when we aren't committed to our availability with God, you know what we do? When I'm not available to him, I'm tempted to police people. And try to get them to live up to my preference and my opinion of how they should live godly. Did you know that if I'm available to the Lord, I don't have time to police anybody? Isn't that amazing? That he's given me this amount of time and as a steward, a representative, a steward of the kingdom, a son, amen, a child of God... I have just enough time to take care of his business. And his business is never to police anybody. But my temptation when I'm not available to the presence of God is to get people to straighten up and do right. Has anybody ever done that here? Where is God finding you? He's He's not beating you up because you're trying to play Messiah or you're trying to get people to live good, godly lives. He's just finding you in that bad situation that you, 
are living in, and he wants to pull you out of that because that's not who he is. Amen? And so I'm taking a little time today to to challenge everyone in this room. Every one of us is at a place where we need God to find us. And I've got some testimonies, y'all, to talk about what God has done. But if I'm not careful, I'll take the testimonies of yesterday and justify my place today and not move forward in him. I'll take yesterday's honey out of the lion that God helped me defeat. And instead of using it to strengthen myself and say, Lord, where's the next level? We're going. I'll pause and think I've arrived. I'm knocking on 60 years old. The enemy's telling me, man, you've done enough for Jesus. Hey, relax. My best days are before me when I'm listening to the Lord. I hadn't done anything compared to what God's about to do. I'm about to be involved in something. You're about to be involved in something that's going to wow you and keep wowing you. The best is yet to come. Amen? So he's okay with our religious ideas and our forms that have no power. He'll work with it, and he'll deliver us from our religious forms that have no power So that we can step into our powerful calling, our identity, our authority, our dominion in him. Amen and live. So I've got another character I want to give to you before I give you three (laughs) keys. Which I'm not telling you to follow the pattern. I'm just saying they worked for Jacob. Amen. Jacob is running from his brother Esau. Anybody ever run from a sibling before? Is there a family member that's got you on the run? Maybe you're running one down yourself. God loved both Esau and Jacob. Now, he didn't like Esau's ways. He hated that. But Jacob is running from Esau because he has deceived him. And not only has Jacob deceived Esau, his brother, Jacob deceives his father. And he's on the run. And so it's obvious that Jacob's family was kind of dysfunctional. There was mommy and daddy problems. Get a chance to read that, go back and rehearse that story. It would be, oh my goodness. So Jacob and that family might have been in worse condition than your family. But God was after them. Right? And Jacob fears And uh, he's at a place where he realizes, I need help. And in Genesis 28 and 10, it says, Meanwhile, meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled toward Haran. Verse 11, at sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stop there for the night. He just found a place where I feel like Esau won't find me here. There ain't no deer around. There ain't no wild game. And he's always hunting. But I found a good place to hide from Esau. I'm just paraphrasing. Jacob finds a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. I still ain't figured out how in the world you can sleep with a stone being your pillow. And as he slept, 
he dreamed of a stairway that reached from earth to heaven, and he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. And at the top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham, and the God of your father Isaac, of whom which you deceived. <laughs> Y'all got to catch this. I am the God of your family. I have a plan for your life. Isaac can't hear while he's walking around awake. He has to go to sleep so he can hear God. And God is speaking up here, not that that's where God lives. His goal is to get Jacob to understand, Jacob, I'm sending angels on behalf of you as an heir of salvation. I'm sending angels back and forth. I'm giving them orders because I'm after you. And I'm inviting you to come up. I'm inviting you to get an understanding. I'm finding you, Jacob, in your fear. I'm finding you in your confusion right now. And I'm talking to you. And he goes on to say, the ground you are lying on belongs to you. Can you imagine God telling you that the job that you're working belongs to you? That the community that you live in belongs to you? That the people that you're serving on behalf of him belong to you? When I'm saying that, I mean you're the voice of hope to them. I'm giving it to you and to your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions to the west, to the east, to the north, and the south. And all the families of earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. What's more, I am with you and I will protect you wherever you go. Now keep in mind, he's deceiving his brother. He's deceiving his father. He's on the run. He's doing everything wrong. And God is saying, I'm with you. And the place where you're lying belongs to you. Look, Jesus made it clear. Anybody on this side of the cross, oh, they were great on that side. But anybody on this side is greater than them. Y'all got to catch that. By way of grace, because he paid your debt off, you've been adopted. Most of the world hadn't accepted their adoption yet. They don't know that that good news exists. And that the world that we live in, the earth and the fullness thereof, he said the meek would inherit it. It belongs to God. He's designed you to be in charge, I mean, rather in control of your decisions, your thought lives, so that he can be in charge through you and reveal the kingdom. The only hope that the world has around us is that God finds us so that he can find them. You're in this building today, and there's a world out there that's not hearing anything but the voices of the enemy. And they're looking for answers. They're looking for hope. But you're in this building today because the Spirit drew you. God ain't wasting his time. His presence is here because you're here. He's after you. You're, you're, you're slowing down enough, and you decided, I'm going to come together. And where there's two or three that gather in his name, he says, I'm in the midst. Of, and if we agree on something today... If we agree that what God is saying to us, and I shouldn't be, amen, giving anybody new news today, your spirit, man, should be going, amen, every time I say something, yeah, confirmation, confirmation. I knew that was God talking to me. 
That's what the, we're about here. He's brought us together to set us up with agreement so that he can bring blessing. Amen. We're not here to do this and rub our religious beards and say, oh, I don't know if that's the truth, Pastor. I got, I got a Bible study that says something else. Yeah, the enemy is great at Bible studies. He, he knows that there's one God and trembles. And he can give the Bible study as good as any preacher, but he's not anointed like the Adam is. There's a different breath that comes from it when Adam speaks it because Adam is available to God. God's finding us. And notice here, he said, but what's more, I'm with you. I will protect you and wherever you, go, wherever you go. One day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. Then Jacob awoke in his sleep and he, out of his sleep and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I wasn't aware of it. Did the Lord just get there? No, he's everywhere. God arrived at that place the moment Jacob arrived there. Oh, y'all got to catch this. He goes on to say, <laughs> I'm afraid, he said, and he was so afraid, he said, I would... What an awesome place this is. This is none other than the house of God, the very gateway of heaven. Wow. Surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. And the Lord is finding people every day where they're at, and he's rendezvousing with them because they've had enough. They may be broke, busted, maybe disgusted, and the list goes on. But they've come to a place where they're at their end of their proverbial road. They're on their proverbial bottom. Wherever that happens, Jacob had got to a place where he didn't know if he was going to make it. And he found a place where he felt like I could get some sleep and Esau won't find me. And it was at that place where he felt like I can get some rest that God shows him now. Okay, you at your end, huh? You know, you know, you know, you're not in competition for Esau. You don't want to toe to toe with Esau, do you? No. Well, good. This place where you're laying, you own it. And I'm glad you've come to your end. I got some promises that I made to your family that's dysfunctional that I'm going to finish through you. Come on. Anybody talked about how bad your family was yesterday? My God, how could God ever use us? <laughs> and you get to a place where you get disgusted about yesterday, and the Lord ain't disgusted at all with it. <laughs> He needs you to get there so you could find you. And you could get a revelation. And here Jacob is. He's thinking that this is the place where God dwells. And he's called it Bethel now. He takes the stone that he laid on that, and he raises up a little monument, the house of God. 
and he's trying to understand what's happening, and he's putting all that off on that location. And God's trying to tell him, hold on, you ain't getting it, man. I ain't leaving you. I'm hanging out with you. I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to give you everything I promised. I'm going to finish it. And he's still like, like, man, this is the place to be. Somebody's catching it now. The fact that you're breathing right now and that you have a consciousness, you have a heart beating, God chose you as the apple of his eye. He goes on to say, this is the house of God. Bethel, no, the Lord said, no, you're the house of God. This is the gateway of heaven. No, 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 you're the gateway of heaven to earth. Didn't David say it? Lift up your head, O ye gates. He's talking about the people. And the Lord will come in. Be available, Israel. Be available, bride of Christ. Be available, children of God. And the Lord will come in. He's not looking for us to flex our muscles and reveal some ability. He's just looking for our availability. Yes, Lord. And he's saying, you don't have to come prove anything. You ain't got to kind of validate your powerful. I already know that. I know who you are. Just come stay, hang out with me. Just hang out. I'm going to show you what you've never seen before. You're going to experience, if you'll just be available, what my purpose is because I can't do it without you being available. And so Jacob goes off and finds a wife. Because he gets up with confidence now. God has spoke to him. He don't have to fear Esau no more. The Lord said he's going to finish something. And he's going to do it through me. He said, why couldn't you have done that before I deceived Esau? Why couldn't you have done that before I deceived Daddy? Amen. We have to get to a place where we come to our end. So that God can talk to us and find us where we are. Where's God finding you right now? What's happening in your spirit right now? Amen. Is New Life Fellowship this building, your Bethel? Or is someone in your life that you look at as being a good person your Bethel? When Bethel is really you. Really who you are. Amen. People are jumping from one church to the next, trying to find answers. And that's okay. God works with that. He will find you doing that and finally get you settled, rooted, and grounded. He's not beating on people that church hop. I'm not encouraging people to church hop, but I am encouraging you to get to a place where you can be found. And when you get it, clicked in and you let the roots of your spirit get tapped into vision and mission and purpose, that being his mission, and you accept the identity that he's adopted you into, now the Messiah, our Father, can now demonstrate because he made it clear. You see all these works I did to his boys? He's all in work. This, and we read about them. The, book, the world couldn't contain the books of all the things that Jesus did. And he's saying to you and me, greater works you're going to do. 
when I find you. And when you agree with who I say you are, that yesterday don't matter, I use that as a platform, amen, and as an opportunity to give you some weapons. I trusted you with yesterday. I believed in you. You would come through and you would, you would approach me and let me become the source. Isn't that good about God? That he knew, amen, where we were going to meet our end, and he already planned to meet us there. But the beautiful thing with us is he was with us the whole time. He never left you. He never forsook you. When you felt like he was a million miles away, he was right there while those voices were telling you that God don't care. He was there to give you a big hug and to let you know it's going to be okay if you would listen. Amen. Where you are is the place of God, and that's what God is interested in. I want to... Uh, I want to give you three quick keys that, and, and, and this, I put a message together in a sentence with the creative team yesterday, or Friday, rather, and we come up with this message in a sentence so that you would be challenged today. It's this, you are the house of God, you are the very gateway of heaven, how awesome you are. I'm going to pause a minute because it's important. Adam was the temple of the Spirit in the Garden of Eden, and the temple fled the presence of God among the trees. Yeah. So God has to take Adam on a journey to a tabernacle. And that tabernacle, the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, that's where God's abode was, was the tabernacle. Then the temple was built, and that's where God's abode was. Amen? At the temple. But the temple gets destroyed. Jesus shows up, and he said, now, this is the whole purpose, is I've come. It's not, what, it's, what, it's not what I do that defines who I am. This is Jesus. He, he was already who he was before he came as Messiah, but the Messiah did not define who he was. He was God already, and, and now it's God in flesh, and he's showing us a demonstration of what it is to hear what the Spirit says and only do what you see. I only say what I hear my Father say. I only do what I see my Father do. This is tracking because in the temple, there was a process, the gate of thanksgiving, all the way through into the holies of holies. You had the gate of thanksgiving. You had the altar of sacrifice where that's where you left all your burdens there at the altar of sacrifice. We're doing that as the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're washed with the water of His Word. At the brazen laver. We're baptized into Christ. We move in to the table of showbread and we eat the table of showbread. He's the bread that came down from heaven. We hear him and we declare what he says. And because we're able to hear him and eat the bread, we're able to see because of the seven golden candlesticks, the illumination. And because we have vision, because we have mission, because we have purpose, and he put it in our spirit, we offer up praises, which is incense to God. And because we can offer up those praises, the veil has been rent. We can walk into the holies of holies and commune with him. And because we have learned to, that we can sit with him in his throne, which is the mercy seat, we can come out and not curse, but rather bless everybody. We are the mouthpiece of God.
Now, God chose you to be here today because people misinterpret that. God needs a mouthpiece. God needs a man. He needs a woman. He needs a vessel that will make themselves available to his ability and believe him and speak what he's saying. You have been commissioned by God to carry the good news, not the bad news. All the trouble on the right hand and all the trouble on the left hand. The church world is caught up in it. And everything's about tribulation and the apocalypse and the mark of the beast and, and eschatology. Ah, no good news. The good news is Jesus came 2,000 years ago. And the greatest event that ever happened 2,000 years ago that he, he paid your debt off and gave back the identity that belonged to you so that you could have dominion and authority and power with him in the earth. <laughs> what God is going to do in the earth and all the trouble going on, that's not my concern. He told me, you don't pay attention to it, son. You bear the good news. Everywhere you go, there's people in the path I place there. You give them hope. You give them a word of faith. You declare. You prophesy. You speak life. Don't you leave their presence with them spooked about all the trouble in the world. The devil was defeated 2,000 years ago. I'm not going back and fighting the devil again. I don't know, somebody, somebody better catch that. The enemy was defeated 2,000 years ago. He don't have to fight. He's in chains. I know, I know the Bible studies. I went through all the eschatology, pre, mid, post, pan, par, partial preterism, preterism. Look, ladies and gentlemen, we're here to declare the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Last time I checked, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And when it's time for you to leave this earth, you'll be caught up in the air to meet him. Did you know there's people being caught up in the air to meet him today? 200 plus thousand people are going to die today. And the Spirit goes back to the one that gave it. I don't know why in the world I had to pause for a minute for an eschatology thought. But apparently somebody needs to be found and to be set free from all the spooky stuff that the enemy wants you to agree with him on. Yes, let me say it again. Trouble is happening. Stupid stuff's going on. The spirit of the Antichrist is at work. But the spirit of the Antichrist was working in the first church. And they said it clearly. Many Antichrists are among us. So the Antichrist spirit's been working for all these. And by the way, the devil works for God. He can't work for nobody else. He has to abide by God's rules. And God ruled it already that you're his royalty, that you're the apple of his eye that dominion and authority and power belongs to you because he purchased it for you. He's given you back your identity. 
So the first point that everybody needs to get today, because you're the house of God, you're the gateway of heaven, oh, how awesome you are, is that Jesus is enough, number one. You don't need anything else but Jesus. He can heal a marriage. He can, he can heal the sick. He can set the people that are in bondage free. If you're in debt, he can take care of the bank, bank account. Jesus is enough. When you go back and rehearse Jacob's word from heaven, Jacob is getting a revelation of who God is. I'm going for, get this, I'm with you now and I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to fulfill everything I told you I'm going to do. Jesus is enough. And not only is he enough, that the place you go, every place you go is awesome. There is no bad place in this world. If there's a bad place from your lens, it's because you need to be found. Amen. Me and Tammy both agreed that San Antonio between here and Houston was a bad place. Until we heard the Lord say otherwise. And when we got an experience that from heaven that this is where we belonged in this bad place, we found out it wasn't a bad place, that it was an awesome place. And we fell in love with it because everywhere you go, that place is awesome. Every step you make, God's saying, come on, you're my house, you're my gateway, take it back for me. Be my steward, be my son. It belongs to me and you are a joint heir with Christ. You, thirdly, are the intersection between heaven and earth. You are the temple of God. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, let him find you so that you can glorify him in your body, which is your reasonable service. There's somebody in your path that needs hope. There's somebody that needs answers. They don't need your sympathy. They need the one that can give them compassion. They need you to sit with him in his throne, your daddy. Take your rightful seat with your daddy so that you can give mercy wherever you go. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. Don't let the enemy sell you a lie that you have a right to take vengeance or get your two bits in. Make your proverbial point. Because the Lord will work with that. He'll find you there too. Come check with me. I got a Bible study for you. I'm the Bible answer man. The Lord will work with that too. He'll find, you, he'll find me there and deliver me from that. I'm available, Lord. This is what gets me. This is what the Lord took me. I mean, I got up three times last night and wrote. I had to scratch a lot of it off, but he was still talking to me and he, he, he eating me up. But there's a few in this room remembers Lana Forrester. 
Yeah. There was a girl that some of you know named Catherine Fitzgerald that the Lord found Catherine. And to me, y'all don't have to pray about me making this. I'm, I'm going to make the step. God found Catherine. And if Catherine was to tell you her story, it matches a few stories in the Bible. And because Catherine's life reflected a life like Mary Magdalene to a degree, isn't it interesting that Mary Magdalene gets to see Jesus first when he resurrects? I mean, the boys didn't, boom. The boys didn't get preference. Mary Magnum was available. She understood that she found that part that wasn't going to be taken from her. And so Catherine has experienced God in such a way that Lana's in her path. And because God found her, he was able to get through her. Atlanta. And for, for you that remember, Catherine brings Atlanta. Same scars, same pain, same testimony God's about to give her that Catherine has. When they come in the building, the presence of God is there in such a wow factor. And, and she is so under conviction. She ain't condemned a bit. She's just convicted that God would even care enough for her to feel him like she's feeling him. But she has committed her life to all kind of lies and all kinds of agreements. And because she has been so devoted to these lies and these agreements, which our world here in America, we don't know that this really exists. We, we don't. We, we're trying to figure out why Jesus would even allow them to write stuff like legions of Gadara. And demons crying out. And him's always telling them to be quiet. And telling them to leave. Well, all of a sudden, Catherine's inviting her to be baptized. And she couldn't even get in the water because they started manifesting. In a very, very dramatic way. But Lana wanted God so much. She wanted Jesus so much. She was determined, I'm not going to stay in this condition. He's found me. I'm not going to let them have this temple any longer. It belongs to him. And when she went into that water, and they spoke that name over her, and she went down in that water, total deliverance, set free. Jacob comes back thinking he's going to find God at Bethel. Well, God ain't left him. And God don't let him have an experience at Bethel because Bethel's not that important. Jacob, you're important. Any Jacobs here? I am. And so God meets him at another place called Peniel. And this time Jacob gets it. I should have had a V8. Right? This time, the wrestling match really goes on. And I mean, he wrestles with God. And God's fine with that. 
I like that. I'm like, that's my boy right there. And the Lord even plays like you can beat him. You got me. You got to let me go. And Jacob said, no, I ain't let you go. He said, boy, that's my boy right there. Then you know the Lord will let you hold him down if you, and talk to him like that? Because he, he's enjoying, it's like, it's like me letting my little princess hold me down. You got me. Right? He's a good daddy. He said, I'm not letting you go. Somebody's got to catch this today. Anybody feel the presence of God? Don't let him go until you, until you bless me, Lord. I'm not leaving here without the blessing. It's one thing to feel God. It's another thing to be filled with God. It's another thing to enjoy the presence of God for a moment. It's another thing to host the presence of God. Somebody's tracking. And Jacob said, I ain't letting you go till you bless me. And the Lord said, okay, I'm going to change the way you walk now. You're not going to walk the same, and your name is not going to be the same. Your name is changing today. Anybody need a name change? And when Lana got a name change, she came up out of that water. I mean, it's so foolish. If God chose the foolish things of the world, confound the wise. That ain't necessary. That's so foolish. Oh, yeah, pretty necessary. Obedience is better than sacrifice. You can write out a million-dollar check to the orphans, but if you don't get baptized, it don't mean nothing from heaven's lens. And God loves all the orphans, but you're not the Messiah. You're a representative of the Messiah. You're a son of God. Unless you let him come and give you a name change. Whew. Could we stand?